Um, now, if you're new to us, maybe this is your very first time with us today. If you've been uh, coming for a couple of weeks, I hope that you're uh, beginning to feel like you're home. And uh, if there's anything that we can do to serve you as a church community, we are here to be a blessing to you and to build your journey with God. So come and speak to us if there's ever anything you say, well, how does this work? How does that work? Um, we just want to be a blessing to you. And we hope that you very much feel part of a family. So talking about family, we are in our series, which is entitled We Are. And we've been talking about our 12 family values that make us who we are as a church community. As Pastor Andy said so well last week, this doesn't make us better than the church down the road. We, we are alongside every other single church in the Haven area who is preaching the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the wider area as well. But when we talk about these values, this is us saying, this is what we want to highlight. This is what we're putting the focus on. This is what's important to us. In such a way that it shapes who we are, it shapes the culture of who we are and so on and so on. And so we've looked at a number of different values already. But today we're going to look at this truth that we are disciples. We are disciples. And it's going to come up with a tagline which says this, that we are growing into all that God has called us to be, continually transformed by his word and by his spirit. So if you were here Last week, you would have heard our senior pastor, Pastor Andy, share on this truth that we are commissioned. And you'll remember that we talked about the fact that we have been called to go into our individual world with a message of the gospel. And that's available um, for you online, that we don't want to be a church that just wait for people to come here when we gather and meet Jesus. We want to take Jesus out there to our individual worlds that we are a part of. So that message is available, as I said, for you to catch up on. But here's what we're moving on to talking about today. Jesus didn't just say go. He said, go and make disciples. Amen. Jesus didn't just say, go and enable people to receive salvation, though obviously that's the doorway to everything else and must be the first step that we take. But Jesus' command was that we would teach people in such a way that they would know everything about the life that he has given to them and the opportunity and the life that he has for them. Now, for many of us, as we've just been singing a minute ago, many of us have received that initial moment of salvation. We've said yes to God. We've been born again. We've been made anew. Whatever terminology you want to use this morning. And we've got to understand that as we were singing, in that moment, everything changed. Amen? Everything changed in that moment. I don't care where you were, how old you were, whether you were in McDonald's, whether you were in a crusade, whether somebody led you to Jesus over the phone. I don't know how it happened I don't know what that step was, how old you were, but in that moment, you've got to understand that every single thing about your life changed. You were forgiven, made brand new. You were washed clean. All these things that we were singing, you were made into a new creation. Do we believe that this morning? That we were born again, the Bible says. We've been born once naturally, but the day that you said yes to God, you were born again spiritually. Because God doesn't patch up your old life. He gives you a brand new life and a brand new start in him where you are now part of the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what does that mean? It means anybody who believes in what Jesus has done for them and has now accepted that and is now positioned in Christ as a new creation. So anybody who is in Christ, listen to this, they are a new creation. 
the old has gone and the new has come. As I said, we are given a brand new start. God doesn't come along and patch up your slightly broken life. He doesn't look at something and say, okay, your life is slightly smashed. It's, it's not in a good way. I'm going to make it slightly better and repair bits that aren't working. No, no. He gives you a brand new existence in him. The old has gone. So the person you were before you came to Jesus Christ is no longer who you are. Now, that doesn't mean that you wake up in the morning and if you wanted muscles, suddenly you're full of muscles. It doesn't mean that you have a different haircut. It doesn't mean that you get on the scales and instantly, because you've given your life to Jesus, everything has changed. Nothing on the outside may change, but everything internally has changed in one single moment of believing in God's goodness and his grace towards our life. And so not only do we receive a guarantee of where we will spend eternity, but our life today on this earth can change and is made brand new now that's great isn't it and, and that's good news and that's obviously why the gospel is good news in fact it's great news and we could pack up today and go home and go oh well that's great isn't it but here's the problem here's what frustrates so many people and actually causes some people to turn their back on God and go back to their old life here's the, the, the issue that we have with that so often we read that we're a brand new creation the old has gone and the new has come but our lives argue with it. The Bible says the old has gone, but we still find ourselves living in the old. So the Bible says that you are pure, but you still find yourself controlled by lust. The Bible says that you've been set free, but you still find yourself chained in so many different ways. The Bible says that in Christ you are victorious, yet you're acting like a victim. The Bible says that in Christ the joy, the, the, the joy of Christ is within me, but maybe you feel depressed and so on and so on and so on. And you think, if the old me was crucified with Christ and was buried with Christ and I was raised to newness of life with Christ, then why is it that I'm still living as I always used to live? Why is it that I haven't seen change in this area of my life or this area of my life why is it that we still mess up why is it that maybe we still find ourselves bound why is it that we see people get their breakthrough only to reverse back to where they were before why is it that maybe you've been a Christian for 5 10 15 20 25 years and you'd say I thought things would be different by now but I still find myself in this same battle I should be free I shouldn't be thinking this way anymore, responding this way anymore, acting this way anymore. And for the first couple of years of my Christianity, that was my experience. That, that I'd get temporary victory only to find myself back to where I first was. I, I knew I was saved. I knew many of the verses. I desired to live right for God. I wanted what he had for me. But I wasn't truly living in victory. It was almost like, you know, on a Monopoly board where you pull out that card and it says return to go. It was almost like that in my Christian journey. I'd be making great steps forward in God and suddenly I was finding myself back where I began, return to go. Here's the reality. I'd come to Christ, but I hadn't learnt of Christ. I'd been saved, but I wasn't a disciple. I was saved, but my life hadn't actually been transformed. And many people, including many of you today, take that first step of receiving salvation and all that God has for us, but then maybe we never move on from there. Now, that's not what we want for any single person who calls Family Church home in any of our locations. We want to be, as it said, growing into all that God has called us to be, continually transformed by his word 
and by his spirit. Amen. We don't just want our ticket for heaven and stand around waiting until he comes and collects us. We, we don't just want to be in that place where we turn up for church week in, week out, but our life is never actually changing. We want to be disciples and we want to make disciples as Jesus has called us to do. Because you've got to understand, Jesus' intention for your life was never that you were saved and didn't grow. Jesus' intention for your life was always that you would receive everything that he has for you, but you would live out all that he has purchased for you. Amen? Do we believe that this morning? Now again, I'm just teaching and laying the foundation for the points that I want to put to you. We need to, in this moment, go back to some teaching that we did a few months ago when we talked about spirit, soul, and body. Now, the, the graphic's going to come up in a moment behind me, spirit, soul, and body. And I, and I haven't got time to go into this fully again, but if you were here a few months ago, you'll know that we spoke on this. And if you weren't here, then speak to us and we can uh, show you the link where we spoke on this, that Jesus wants to heal us, spirit, soul, and body. But here's where this is relative to what we're speaking about today. When you are born again, the spirit, and as Lucy said, the soul, sometimes it's referred to as the soul, but the spirit, part of who we are, comes alive in Christ. That we were dead in our sins, but we've been made alive again with Christ. So our spirit is saved. And the spirit is the eternal part of who we are. This body that we have naturally will one day give up. We all know that, that there's two things certain in life, apparently taxes and death. We know that that's a reality. So at some point, this natural body will give up on us. But our spirit will live on. And the Bible says that we'll be given new glorified bodies in heaven. Isn't that good? Every, you know, every perfect thing will be ours in our body as well in heaven. So we'll have a glorified body in heaven. Our spirit will live on. But that leaves the soul of who we are. Now what is the soul? The soul is our mind, our will, our feelings, our emotions, our beliefs, our memories, our consciousness, our imagination. All of those things. And at the moment of salvation, we've got to understand our spirit is regenerated. Our spirit is reconnected to God. Our spirit is made new. But the soul of who we are remains unchanged. And a lot of discipleship, this thought of growing into all that God has called us to be, is actually about transforming our thinking and, and changing our soul to match up with what has already taken place in our spirit. You see, discipleship... It's not about trying to be something you're not already. Discipleship is not about behavior modification, amen? But discipleship is not about trying to externally change things. Discipleship is certainly 100% not fake it till you make it. If you ever hear somebody tell you that, that is not the true gospel, okay? We're not to fake it till we make it. That's what the Pharisees would have done. It's not about external trying to change things. It's actually about an internal transformation. God has made you a new creation. Amen? Amen. It's happened. But it's now about living and thinking in line with that. So turn your Bible to Romans chapter 12 for a moment. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Because I want us to, to get this before I challenge us on certain aspects of it. Romans 12 verse 2. It says, and do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will prove what is good, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now the New Living Translation puts it this way. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you 
into a new person, the person that you now are in Christ. Let God transform you. How? By changing the way you think, by renewing the mind, by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Why do we need discipleship? Why, why do we need and have this commitment as a church community to have a value and a desire to truly understand that we are disciples? Why do we need to renew our mind? Why do we need to, as a New Living Translation puts it, change our thinking? And so I want us to look at that together this morning. And as I talk about this, of course, this is just an overview. Okay, So just as we said when we talked about we are spiritual, we are Bible-believing, we are worshippers, all of those things could be eight-part series in themselves. This is an overview of what we mean by the fact that we are disciples and we are called to make disciples. Now here's what I want us to see this morning. We all have a way of thinking. That way of thinking is what is termed your philosophy. Your way of thinking. Now you may think, well, no, no, hang on, I don't have a philosophy. That's just for the clever people. That's for like those people who sit in labs. and They've got philosophy. They know what they're talking about. No, every single one of us has a philosophy. Every single one of us has a way of thinking about certain things in our life. And I want you to see this visually today, because as I always say, it helps what I'm saying verbally come alive that little bit more. But again, as I always put out as a disclaimer, if you know me, I cannot draw, okay? I cannot draw. So I'm going to draw a brain. But if you are medical in any sense of a word in this place, I just ask for your forgiveness in advance. So here is your brain. Now, I, I hasten to add that I was actually, this is a true story, kicked off biology um, because they felt that it was only, not only good for myself but also for the rest of the class. So make of that what you will. So, so this is a brain. Like it's, it's fuzzy like that, isn't it? Yeah. Bumi, we good? Where's Bumi? We good, yeah. That's, that's, it's almost like a cloud. Like, that's actually what's inside your head. So here's what I want you to see. There are things that we think about on a daily basis. What are some of those things? Now, there's thousands of thoughts that come into your mind, but what are some of these key things that we think about in life? Some of the things that we think about, key things, are things like this. Me. Now, I don't mean me. I'm talking about yourself. I don't, I'm not egotistical to think that you think about me all the time, okay? Let me clarify. This is about you. You have thoughts about yourself. You have a philosophy concerning yourself, your value, your worth your potential. You have a way of thinking concerning who you are. We have a way of thinking concerning Jesus, the Godhead. Some of you may think that he's just some historical figure. Some of you may believe that he is the son of God who died for you. We have a way of thinking concerning Jesus, who he is, what he wants for you, the plans that he has for you. We have a way of thinking Concerning life. What is the point of life? What is important? What is truly, when you boil it all down, what is truly important in life? You have a way of thinking. You have a, phil a, a philosophy concerning that. A and then we have a way of thinking concerning others. Relationships. You have a way of thinking, a philosophy concerning 
your spouse, concerning your children, concerning your colleagues, concerning your neighbours, concerning how we treat people, the value that we place on people, the, the, the way that we respond to people, especially those who have hurt us. We have a way of thinking. We have a philosophy. And this is going on continually in our mind. Now, here's the reality. Your philosophy, your way of thinking, as the Bible says, is shaped by so many different things in life. Okay, here's some of the things that shapes your thinking. Experience. What do I mean by experience? What you've been subjected to in life. What your journey has been thus far in your life. You may have a way of thinking about yourself that is determined by what you've experienced. So if you've experienced abuse, if you've experienced neglect, if you've been in a place where you've had people verbally say things over you time and time again, that experience has almost become an ingrained way of thinking, a philosophy concerning who you are. On the flip side, if you've grown up in an environment where you are loved, where there's safety, all those kind of things, then it will shape the way that you think. Because experience will shape our thinking. Okay, many of you know that I have a hatred of mushrooms. Anybody in the room with me? Anybody loathe mushrooms just give me a shot no come on I'm not on my own thank you I see that hand I see that two people are truly blessed and and have a wisdom of God concern now why do I hate mushrooms because of my experience of them because of the smell the taste the just everything I've shared before it's in Leviticus somewhere I haven't found it yet but it's evil mushrooms are the food of the devil but I need to biblically back that up first but so we have experience shapes the way that we Think our philosophy in life. What our shapes are opinions or our philosophy of our way of thinking. People. What people have spoken. What people have shared concerning life. So, so you may have a philosophy, a way of thinking about Jesus that's been shaped by people who misrepresented him. Many people see God as a cruel, twisted God who's just full of anger and judgment for every single human being because of what they've been taught. Many people feel that God isn't approachable because of what they've seen of religion in different places around the world. Many people think that it's God who starts wars because that's their way of thinking, their philosophy, because of what they've experienced of other people. So people can shape our way of thinking. Worldly wisdom, wisdom outside of God, can shape our way of thinking. Your philosophy, your way of thinking about life itself can be shaped by what the world would offer you, by media, by the employment that you have. Your career can shape the way that you think about life. And so it goes on and on and on. You, you may have a, a viewpoint, a philosophy concerning others or relationships that shape, let's be true, by Netflix or by social media. And all these things on a daily basis actually shape the way that we think. They shape our philosophy. And so it goes on and on and on. But you may say, well, actually, that's got nothing to do with me. I decide how I live. None of this mumbo-jumbo. I decide how I live. Well, the Bible says this, Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. If you think a certain way, you will live out of what you believe to be true. And psychology today, you can have degrees on psychology today that merely back up what the Bible has been saying hundreds of years before, centuries, thousands of years before. It backs up what these people knew that as we think in our heart, as we think in the depths of who we are, so we live out of what we believe to be true. And so there's two groups of people that I really want to talk to this morning. Some of you here today, 
are saved. You're, you've been made brand new, but you stopped fair and you never realized that you were never called to just be a Christian. You were called to be a disciple. That original word disciple, do you know what it means? It means imitator of the one that you follow. We were called to be imitators of Jesus in the way that he thinks, in the way that he speaks, in the way that he deals with sin and his response to people around our lives. We were called not for a changed eternity alone, but to be disciples and imitators of Jesus in this life. But then there's others. And maybe you find yourself in this camp, and this is what this speaks into in this moment, where you are trying to transform your life from the outside in. You're going to all the classes. You're doing all the things that you think a good Christian should do. You're, you're, you're trying to force this outward change. You're trying to stop this or start that or think this way. And it's all external rather than internal. You're trying to force this outward change by being a better person. There's a shelf life to that, let me tell you. Because true transformation comes from the inside out. It comes by changing the way that we think. It comes by changing our philosophy. It comes through understanding the truth of God's word. Word, but then also by the transformative work of the Holy Spirit right because that's why we say in our statement that we want to be people who are continually transformed by God's word and by his spirit because you can know a whole lot about the word of God and not be changed there's atheists who know more of the Bible than anyone in this room put together, and yet they don't live out of what they know or should know to be true. There's, there's, you could be a theologian and know every single verse in the Bible, every scripture, but knowledge just puffs up. It's actually the transformative work of the Holy Spirit that causes us to change from the inside out, where we not only know the Word of God, but the Word of God and the truth of God's Word actually supersedes and overrides our own philosophy. Amen? In a way that we are transformed, not just in our thinking but ultimately in our life Ephesians 4 21 and 24 you're still with me this morning Ephesians 4 21 and 24 says this since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him don't just see this as some historical text that Paul's writing to a church in Ephesus this is for each and every single one of us today since we have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him throw off your old nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. You are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything has been made brand new discipleship isn't about trying to make yourself right you are already right in him you are righteous you are forgiven you are holy you are pure you have the joy and the love and the peace that comes from the holy spirit all, all these things are who you already are but it's about thinking and living in line with who you now are and as you renew your mind as you choose to be a disciple of jesus you'll begin to understand addiction is no longer who i am i'm a new man i'm a new woman that's not who I am. It used to be me, but even in my confession, I'm going to change it from saying this is who I am to understanding this is who I now am in Christ. Depression doesn't need to have a hold on me. Condemnation doesn't need a factor in my life. Fear doesn't have to dictate the way that I live. I don't need to live the way that I've always lived. I don't need to be the person I've always been. There's too many people who say, I could never change. No, no, no. You can't in your own strength. Maybe that's a problem. But the Holy Spirit within you can cause you to be transformed to the likeness of Christ 
So here's some questions that I want to challenge each and every single one of us with today. Because it's fine to know the theory, but actually there's got to be some practicality to this. So I want to ask, ask us these questions today. The first one is this. Am I a disciple or am I just a church attender? There's a massive difference. Am I a disciple Am I an imitator of Jesus or am I just a church attender? And there's no judgment in that statement. It's merely an invitation to go further than where you currently are at. It's an invitation to change where you are in that place. Are you just turning up to church week in, week out, going through the motions, but your life isn't changing from month to month, from year to year? Because that's not God's intention for your life. He didn't say, just gather and sing some songs and then get on with your week. He said, go and make disciples and be disciples and be the people that I've called you to be. Now, if that's you and you say, do you know what? I realize, and I have been realizing for a while, and even as you're speaking, it's confirming it, that I'm just turning up for church, but my life isn't changing. I want to be a disciple. I don't just want to be where I'm at then come and speak to us because we can help you with that. But as a church, there's things that we do and run that can help you in that decision that you are making to truly be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The second question is this. Am I still growing as a disciple of Jesus? Now, I ask this question because it's important for us to realize that this message that I'm speaking today is not just for new converts. This message that I'm speaking today is not for those who have just been saved for six months. It's for every single one of us who can hear what I'm saying this morning. It's for every single one of us because this is a lifelong process. Amen? That the value says we're continually transformed by his word and by his spirit. It doesn't say we're transformed for the first six months. It doesn't say we do a Bible class and then we'll just settle in and coast to heaven. It says we are continually transformed by God's word and by God's spirit. In other words, it's a daily ongoing process. Listen, do, do you know what the enemy's plan for your life is? The enemy's plan for your life is that you would never receive Jesus. Once you have, do you know what his next plan is? That you would be passive about everything that Jesus has given to you. That you would be apathetic. That you would just go through the motions. That you would be like those people, the Israelites that we spoke of a few months ago, who have been set free from slavery, but haven't taken hold of a promise that he has for them. Don't find yourself in no man's land. Don't find yourself going through the motions. Everything that Jesus has purchased for you is available for you to live out of so if you find yourself saying that's me I've been coming to church for a while now and I've just grown stagnant I just am not growing my life is not changing but my simple question is what are you going to do about it because God's done all that he needs to do and God's word shows us that our life with him is a pilgrimage it's a journey where the Bible says we go from strength to strength all the days of our lives. Let me challenge you this morning. Because the question isn't, how long have you been saved? Sometimes you talk to people, oh, I've been saved this many years, good for you. It's not about how long you've been saved. The question is, how much are you currently growing? Because somebody who's been saved for six months can be growing at such a fast pace and a desire to grow far beyond somebody who's been saved for 800 years. It's not how long have you been saved, it's how much are you growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. The third question is this, who is helping me grow? Now here's the good news, you weren't meant to do this 
alone. You don't have to do this alone. In fact, you shouldn't do this alone. The Bible says that it's a fool who isolates themselves and goes on their own way. Church is a family where we're to support one another in being and becoming disciples. So let me ask you, who is speaking into your life? Now you may have loads of friends you may have loads of people who are acquaintances. You may even have Christian people around your life. But if you were to truly look at it and look at the verse, you'd say, do you know what? Actually, even though they love God, they're actually conforming to the behaviors and the customs of this world. They're not actually being imitators of Jesus. Who in your life do you have that is an imitator of Jesus? Now, that doesn't mean that they're perfect because no one is. But they are coming alongside you. They are speaking God's truth into your life they are praying for you and praying with you they are causing you to not stagnate they are causing you to say do you know what follow me as I follow Christ let's go this way let's be people who are being imitators of Jesus I am so thankful for the people in my life who speak into my life and cause me not to stagnate but cause me to go from strength to strength in Christ who is speaking into your life Proverbs 13 verse 20 I want to read this from a message paraphrase it says become wise by walking with the wise hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces proverbs 12 verse 26 the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray and here's the final question george you can come up here's the final question who am i helping grow as a disciple of jesus so we talked about who's helping you grow but here's a question back on you who am i helping grow as a disciple of Jesus, because the success of the early church was this, that discipleship didn't come from a, a group of elites. Discipleship was worked out on a daily basis. Remember what Pastor Andy was saying last week, for every single one of us has been given the Great Commission. It wasn't given to church leaders, it was given to every single believer of Jesus Christ. And what does it say? It says, go and make disciples. That's the call that's been given to us. So, not only who is coming alongside you, who are you coming alongside? Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, For as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Now you may say, well, oh, I don't know about this bit. Oh, I don't know. That's way beyond me. I could never help somebody grow as a disciple of Jesus. Here's my question to you, because when we say that, here's what we're saying, that Jesus has set us up for failure. That's what we're saying when we say, I can never help somebody grow in their walk with God. Let's just remove disciple from it. I can never help somebody grow in their walk with God. If we're saying we can't, then that means that Jesus has, on the one hand, commanded us to do something, go and make disciples, and on the other hand, left us in a place where we can't. And I don't believe that's who Jesus is. The church is there to equip us to help other people know the truth of God's word and maybe this stems from this thinking that says discipleship is about me being a Yoda type character in the corner just speaking wisdom that's just you know I have to be this person who when actually discipleship in the truest sense is one believer handing the baton to another believer in the race that we're running called the race of faith it's one believer saying to another do you know what I was in that situation and this is a scripture that was given to me. Uh, it's somebody else saying, do you know what? I know what you're doing. I know what you're thinking. But can I be truthful in your life? You've got all these people saying, great. Can I be the one who says, I don't know. I don't think that's from God. 
Can I be the one who reminded you of what you promised to God? Can I be the one who, and these people, do you know what? Here's the reality, they're annoying, but you need them. They're the people that you think, oh, I don't want to tell this person because I know what they're going to say. But actually, within you, there's a desire. No, I want to tell this person because actually they're going to tell me exactly what I need to hear in this moment. If you've been walking for, with God for a while, you know things that could help others to grow as a disciple. Don't talk to them about the things that you don't know. As Pastor Andy said so well last week, when you don't know, say, I don't know. But I know somebody who does or I can get you some help for that. And you may think, well, I, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. Listen, again, we can resource you and equip you as church as you help somebody to be a disciple. We've created resources that speak about all the things, the mercy of God, the goodness of God, and, and, and redemption and justification. You've got so many topics that are covered that help us on the journey of discipleship. So here's the exciting thing. Just as we said last week, just as we can all be soul winners, so we can all be disciples, and we can all help to make disciples, imitators of Jesus. Just imagine with me for a moment a church that we want to be, that I believe we are, but we ever want to be more like this, that our value would shape our culture. Imagine a church where we actually didn't go through the motions, but we were full of disciples. Now, I know there's always going to be new converts. I get all that. But where we were just making disciples, making disciples, making imitators of Jesus, and not just on a Sunday morning, but we would be imitators as we scattered, not just as we gathered. But we would go into our workplace to be imitators of Jesus. We would go into our neighborhoods and be imitators of Jesus. We would destroy the works of the evil one, which is what God has put us on this earth to do. Imagine a church where we didn't just socialize, well, that's great, but we helped one another grow as disciples of Jesus. That's a value that we're committed to. Because when we take this seriously, all of a sudden, Everybody is being a disciple and everybody is helping make disciples at a time when they can. Let me ask you those questions again. Are you a disciple, an imitator of Jesus, or are you just a church attender? Again, no judgment, but there's a push to say, come on, there's more for you than what you're currently experiencing. Are you growing as a disciple of Jesus? Maybe you say, do you know what, I'm stagnating. Or maybe you say, do you know what, I've taken like 10, 15, 20 steps backwards over the last few years. Maybe COVID and all that time caused you to just slide away from all that God had for you. Who is helping you grow? And who are you helping grow as a disciple of Jesus? Because at Family Church, we have a value that says we are disciples. Growing into all that God has called us to be, continually transformed by His Word and by His Spirit. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, I thank you for the Word. I thank you that as we listen to this teaching today, Lord, may we be challenged. Holy Spirit, I know that you're speaking to people this morning far beyond what my natural words could communicate to their hearts. And Lord, I pray that for every single person in this place who, who says, do you know what? I'm stagnating. I'm going backwards. There's no forward 
movement. I'm just turning up for church. I'm part of this team and I do this for the community, but I'm not growing as the disciple of Jesus. Lord, I pray that there wouldn't be condemnation, but there would just be inspiration to, to, to transform and be changed, Lord, from the inside out. Jesus, I want to thank you that you have made us new creations. Lord, I want to thank you that the old has gone, that we have been made brand new. Lord, I want to thank you that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in you, Christ Jesus. But Lord, now we want to work that out. We want to daily go from strength to strength. Lord, I pray for those of us who could be making disciples, who could be coming alongside and supporting other people in their faith. Lord, I pray that there would be an urgency to do so. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that when people are saved, we wouldn't just leave them as they are, but Lord, we would help them discover the life that you have given to them. So Lord, I thank you that there would be a desire this morning, not a guilt-based thing, not just a momentary decision based on a, on a message, but Lord, there would just be a, an inward pull today to grow, to come alongside and to make disciples. Jesus, thank you that you modeled for us what it is to be a disciple. Jesus, we want to be imitators of who you are. Lord, I just speak blessing upon every single person in this place this morning. That as they step into their world, Lord, would you equip them with the right things to say? Would you help them to make the right responses? Would you help them to make the right decisions over the next seven days, Lord, until we meet again? Jesus, thank you for this time together. Thank you for what the kids have been taught. And Lord, be in our conversations during tea and coffee right now before we leave. Be in all that takes place for your glory, we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give Jesus praise this morning.